Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi again, I'm Jeff Mextroth, and you're listening to Sorry Partner. Hello, and welcome to Sorry Partner, a weekly podcast about bridge and all things interesting to bridge players. Brought to you by Bridge Partners and Friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starts. On today's program, we feature the second part of our interview with American champion Jeff Mextroth, who talks about the most interesting person he's encountered at Bridge and his favourite and least favourite conventions. Plus, he shares his top tip for developing players. But first, let's kibitz. Hi, partner. How are you, Jocelyn? I'm fine, Catherine. How are you? I'm great, thank you. I've been very busy. I was kibitzing a big tournament this weekend and um, it was really great. It was quite interesting. Though something came up I was interested to talk to you about. I had been thinking about the concept for a while of tournament trauma. I know that we've touched on (laughs) many, many aspects of this and, and, and it has many, many forms. But there was an incident when I was kibitzing at this tournament let me just say, I was absolutely not impressed. I was sitting watching a table. I was obviously kibitzing two experts. And it was just one of those luck of the draw situations that the opponents were made up of an expert playing with their protege. And this person, the less experienced person, was actually a very, very new player. And it was their first ever tournament. And I was thinking, wow, because, you know, we both know it is so intimidating and there's so much to to take on. And I was thinking of a letter we had a while back from Harvey in Israel talking about how you manage your feelings in these new situations and whatever. Anywho, so the bidding's going along. It's all fine. And then there's one auction where the experts, 
let's just say one of them opens a club and the less experienced opponent passes and then the responder says a diamond and then the mentor doubles, right? So, you know, they want their partner to bid and the next person, I think they pass. It doesn't really matter. What happens though is that the inexperienced player of, I should just say too, that they were not using bidding boxes. They were writing down their bids, which I know is something that happens in Australia. It doesn't necessarily happen in other places, but they were writing down their bids and the inexperienced player leans across and the way you alert a bid when you're writing it down is you circle the bid. And so they lean over and they alert their partner's double. Okay. So the auction finishes, what have you. I think the experts end up in a game contract, neither here nor there. But before the play starts, one of the experts calls the director and brings the director over and goes through the whole thing about the double having been alerted. In case anyone out there doesn't know, you're not supposed to do that. Obviously, this person didn't know, but these two expert players were well aware that it was this person's first ever tournament. It literally cost them nothing. It had no bearing on the auction. They already knew what it meant. They could have just asked. They could have been super sweet about it. But no, they completely put this person through the ringer. And, you know, I'm sitting there kibitzing, so I wasn't going to say boo. But I just thought it was such poor form. I was so unimpressed. I just found it very ugly. Okay, girlfriend, thoughts? I'm not sure that I necessarily agree that the expert was out of line to call the director on something that was improper at the table. And I think that there should be no penalty, but I think it's an, I mean, I'm trying to process this as as we're talking about it. So, but I think that it is a fact of playing in a tournament that you're supposed to abide by the rules. And because you're a newbie, I don't know that that means that an expert shouldn't follow the same process that they would follow against Mm. a more experienced player. I don't know. I don't know which is a sign of more respect. Was there a penalty attached? No, no, there was nothing. It was just, he just knew it was a double and he didn't know. And they could have asked him. I just thought it was a letter of the law situation versus a spirit of the law situation. You know, Mm -hmm. of course, if they'd been harmed in some way, maybe call the director after and maybe nicely say to this player, look, this is what the situation is and this is why we're doing that. But they just, I felt like they were really enjoying intimidating them Uh and doing it with this with this gusto about it. Like they weren't nice. They could have said, oh, look, we're going to call the director because of X, Y, and Z. They could have done that. Instead, they were just really enjoying it. They yeah. relished the yeah. situation that they were in. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I see that now. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to just sort of behave the way you would against anybody when, you know, so you're going to, if it's something that you would call the director about, then you're going to do it regardless of whether the person is a first timer or not. But if it was something where they were really taking great joy in somebody's learning, somebody's gaining important experience. Yeah, that doesn't, it doesn't sound very, no. it doesn't sound very nice. And, you know, Bridge has a problem in terms of turning people off sometimes because, you know, people are perceived as kind of behaving like assholes. Yeah. And I like to think that that 
tends to go away at the higher levels and mm. that people behave better. But I think I might be wrong on that count and that there you can find assholes at every level. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I think that's true. I think that's true. Look, you know, I wouldn't have had a problem if they called the director as long as they'd been quite sweet to this person and had said, look, this is the this is the situation and we know you didn't mean it and whatever. But yeah, it was just the pleasure with which they were being really unkind. And I just think, come on, people, you have a responsibility to the game. You want to encourage people to play. If you're If you're at that level and you have a chance to make someone feel welcome and want to come back. I think we all need right. to be taking those chances, making the most of those moments. And this was not one of them. No siree. Yes. No, I hear you. I think I think it does sound very uh, unsavory. <laughs> it was unsavory <laughs> to say the least. Hi, I'm Midge from Carlisle, Pennsylvania, and I'm a listener, supporter of Sorry Partner. What I love about the show is that it takes Bridge seriously, but it doesn't take it too seriously. It's a lot of fun anecdotes and comments from the interviewers, and they ask great questions. They really keep the tone fun, but you learn a lot and have fun learning it. Here's how I supported the show I went to their website and found a link on how to support the show, and it was very easy. If you're thinking about supporting the show, please do. We want to keep it on the air. And we're back. So, Jocelyn, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about emojis. Specifically, I <laughs> wanted to know how people were pasting in all those fabulous <laughs> characters yes. in their online experience. We did say we wanted in. And our listeners have answered the call. We have oh, had a couple of messages. The hive mind. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So exciting. We don't even have to do Google searches. We just put the word out on the on the pod and we get the answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So tell us, how do we paste all those different emojis? <laughs> okay. So we heard from David, who has written to us before. David's from Vancouver. And he has sent us a link, which is https slash slash getemoji.com. And I will post it in our show notes so you don't have to write it down. So that's the the source of all good emojis? <laughs> well, that's one. That's one. He's also sent us a link on how to use Chat Manager in BBO. So I'll put them in the show notes. And just to remind people, show notes are the information about the program underneath the episode description in your app. So that's where this information will be. And I'll put it on Instagram as well. And we have also heard from Carl and Carl has sent us another link, emoji copy, which I'll put in there. And Carl has um, made an interesting point. He says, Emojis and emojicons are part of the Unicode standard initially adopted in 2008. When you copy and paste an emoji, you're actually copying a special character, which is why you can paste emojis into BBO, for example, but you can't paste images because, you know, they're technically separate and different things. So that's interesting, which I did not know, but he also, he also warns us not to get carried away. Oh. I think... It's possible Carl finds it quite <laughs> irritating. <laughs> and then we've heard from another Carl, this one with C, as opposed to our first Carl, who was Carl with a K. And Carl with a C has sent us a link 
specifically for Macs. So I'll pop that one in there as well. And then finally, we have heard from Roger. We're going to have more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is, and here's a more for PCs. So yeah, so, you know, heart, smiley face, exclamation point, whatever else I can come up with, just a little <laughs> one with, with, with some dark glasses. Yeah, we're, we're all set up. Yes, we should get a sorry partner emoji like for when you want to say idea. sorry partner <laughs> <laughs> sorry partner yeah send us a sorry partner emoji that'd be cool so if you have any fun stories about assholes at the table or <laughs> <laughs> fun uses of emojis in the <laughs> chat when you're playing online or to describe assholes at the table or to describe assholes at the table <laughs> please do send them to us as you can see we're very receptive to all things emojis and uh, you can reach us at sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or via Instagram, sorrypartnerpodcast or you can leave us a voicemail. These links are in the show notes if you scroll down in the app or on our website sorrypartner.com Coming up next, part two of our interview with Jeff Mextroth. American champion Jeff Mextroth is a bridge superstar. If you can think of a title in bridge, he's won it. He's also done a lot for bridge behind the scenes. He's been a member of the ACBL Conventions and Competitions Committee for 25 consecutive years, served as national recorder, and was a longtime member of the Appeals Committee. Jeff has also supported and mentored many junior players. We start the second part of the interview by asking about the most interesting person he's encountered at Bridge. I knew Omar reasonably well through some tournaments. I mean, the phenomenal tournaments, the Dutch and the British used to have these invitational tournaments in January every year. And Zia first got me to come. And so I went for 12 straight Januaries. First, the Dutch would have it, and they it was an invitational tournament with 16 pairs. They would pay your expenses and offer nice prize money, and everyone played in black tie. It was really a phenomenal tournament. And then the British would have it the week following because they know all the players were going for the, the Dutch tournament. So... It would be at The Hague uh, one week and then London the following week. Those are my absolute special tournaments. I'd love that every year for two weeks, going to Holland and then London is phenomenal. Omar would play in London every year. And so I remember at the Bermuda Bowl in 2000, it was actually in Bermuda, I remember I was walking in with some people, and Omar was at the bar, and he noticed me. And Omar Sharif, of all people, jumped up and came running over, hello, Jeff, you know. And I was able to show off in front of all these people, like, Omar knows me, and you know. Even jumped up and came over to say hi. That was That was like a highlight moment of my bridge career that that happened. These people were very impressed, you know. Is there a hot button issue 
that is particularly important to you about bridge? Well, I would like to see the game promoted better than it has been. And I must say, I think the ACBL is trying to make some improvements now, but over the years, I've been sorely disappointed with their efforts. For instance, when they first got a website, I went to the to the ACBL and I said, you know, every newspaper in the country has a bridge column. I said, just at the bottom of the column, put, you know, acbl.org, interested in bridge, acbl.org. Just there's got to be a way to put that in these bridge columns because I can't tell you the number of times I'd sat on an airplane and people are, what do you do? And they, I tell them and they, oh my God, I had no idea that there was bridge like that. They said, I read the bridge column every day, and but they had no idea. So, But all I heard back from the league was the reasons why they couldn't do that. And this was a no-brainer to me. There's got to be some way to get that information, or the, the person writing the columns would agree to do that. I mean, in a heartbeat, I would think. Also, just the publicity, they do just a terrible, miserable job. When I first started to play, Sports Illustrated used to cover the world championships. Right. I remember every world championship, there'd be a big spread in Sports Illustrated and with some hands and interest, but that all got dropped. And there's no reason it should be if people were working at it. But again, they they have just not the right people that are doing this. Do you think that's the main reason why? Well, I don't know exactly why, but it's a complete failure to properly publicize the game. I mean, I remember when Bill Gates won a national championship. This was when the first days of Trump, the ACBL totally failed to publicize this at a time when every news outlet around the world would have taken this story and ran with it. But Bill Gates requested not to be publicized. Well, that's just tough luck, if you ask me. If you're going to play and be compete, and your name's Bill Gates, you have to be willing to. But they just rolled over and didn't publicize this one bit which just drove me crazy. I was emailing the marketing director furiously, trying to publicize this. Every news outlet in the country would have been dying to cover this story, that Bill Gates wins national championship at Bridge. But no, so I don't know. I guess they're not that. Bridge is such a fabulous game, as you girls know, that you know Bridge and... It's incredible. So if you just get that out there to people, the game would grow exponentially. So in a nugget, if you could say to the ACBL, I want you to do three things, what would it be? Well, publicize Bridge. You need to try and get it in schools. In Holland, they teach Bridge in the schools. They start at a very young age with what they call mini Bridge. Mm -hmm. I think that's what they call it. It works rather cool. They have the kids, they teach them how to count their points. So all four of them 
count the points. Whoever has the most points becomes the declarer. So their partner lays their hand down, okay, the partner of the guy with the most points. And so he looks at his dummy, and then he decides what contract he wants to be in. <laughs> okay, so you get to see your dummy, and then you decide what contract you want to be in. And then the play goes on. So that gets them playing an easy way to get them into playing the game. So once they do that for a while, then it's easy to extend into maybe learning bidding, you know, down the road. But they learn about card play. And that's just a, a really ingenious way to teach the game to the main populace. And Holland, I think, has more members of their bridge league than the ACBL does. Wow. So that that's a country the size of New Hampshire or something. So that's what could be done with good publicity, but they don't do it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's the biggest schlamozzle you've ever made at the table? The biggest what? The biggest schlamozzle, the biggest muck-up. Oh, well, probably the most embarrassing one was I was in a grand slam with ace-queen fourth opposite jack and one in a suit. This was a side suit, and I was in seven of a major. This was the diamond suit. And the play on the hand, I led the ace from the dummy with ace-queen fourth and then low towards my double and jack. And that lost to the king, which was onside. I went down and seven, not finessing. You're playing for the singleton king to drop? Well, no, I wasn't playing for that. I had ace, queen, four at the diamonds in the dummy. The guy behind that dummy had bid unusual no trump for the miners. So I thought, surely he's got five diamonds to the king. So I won the opening lead, and I immediately led ace of diamonds and a diamond. 
thinking that he would not hop up with his king if I did that. That was that took some balls to take that line of play, <laughs> but but so I went down one on an absolutely cold hand. So that's pretty. That looks pretty bad. Your thinking was great. <laughs> I love it. It was strategic. <laughs> well, I was playing for something. And I'm not afraid to do anything as this hand example. I love it. <laughs> Fortunately, this was just a regional tournament, and I don't recall that it had any major impact on the overall course of the day. It certainly had a major impact on this result because instead of winning a big swing, we lost a big swing. So that that was pretty bad. What about mistakes? that other experts have made at the table? Well, I've seen my partner go bonkers a number of times, and that's tough. I don't, you know, I prefer when my opponents are the ones going bonkers. So. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about that. I find it happens more when you're playing well because they become frustrated and they just start to push and... That generally doesn't go well for them. But uh, I don't know that I recall any specific examples. I used to retain hands a lot more. Now, when I'm looking at the hands afterward, I want to look and see if there's anything that I can learn from them. But otherwise, I try not to retain uh, the knowledge of the hands. Do you still find yourself learning from hands when you look at them afterwards? Oh, I'm still, this game is so fascinating. I'm still becoming a better player all the time. That never stops. Wow. I feel that, you know, I'm a better player than I was six months ago just from the experience. And it's so multifaceted. I am constantly improving. So it's something that doesn't end. Is there a particular facet of your game that you can point to as having improved over the last six months? I would say my concentration and focus. I think that playing online has helped me actually focus better and play a little more carefully. One thing I'm known as a very fast player and I always have been, and there are advantages to playing quickly uh, because, like, your opponents might not play the best if they're playing at your speed. But you tend to make a few more mistakes when you're playing quickly. So I was always okay with that because I knew I was gaining a lot more than I was losing in the long run. But I think I found the right balance now where... I'm taking enough time to not make silly mistakes. And, you know, I'm still not wasting time. I mean, bridge needs to be played at a reasonable pace. This is one of the things that drives me bananas is really slow play. I mean, you make a plan and you execute it. Sitting there for minutes and minutes, it shouldn't be taking... 10 minutes to play a bridge hand. It should move at a brisker pace. So I'm unhappy with people that play really slowly. What is the funniest thing that's ever happened to you at the table? Well, I remember when Joe Grew dumped my coffee on me 
I had a big Starbucks that I'd just gotten and and Joe like slams down the screen. He wasn't being careful. That's that kind of stuff has happened more than once, but <laughs> I still remind Joe of that when he dumped not only that did he dump the coffee on me, then he proceeded to pound on me at the bridge table too and slaughtered our team. So <laughs> <laughs> so it was a double whammy. It was, yeah, it was a double whammy. Joe got me good that day. Do you have a favorite convention or gadget that you just really want to play with all of your partners? Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I would, I, the support double is <laughs> probably my favorite, but I, I like, I mean, Keycard Blackwood is a, is a must. And, I certainly like the kickback being a lower Blackwood bid. For instance, when clubs are Trump, for no Trump, Blackwood just does not work. 1430 or 0314 is not the solution. You need to have a lower bid be Blackwood. What most experts have come around to playing is that one over the Trump suit is key card. So in other words, if clubs is Trump, four diamonds is key card. Or even if hearts is Trump, four spades is key card. And this has the advantage of saving a step. It's like if four spades is key card in hearts and your partner has, say, a five club response, that that saves room. You have room to ask for the queen of Trump below. Because if it went four and oh, and your partner bids five diamonds, you're, you have no room. So even that one step there is quite valuable. I can see that. You're giving up the, the Q bid potentially in that one suit. Yes. But I mean, once we get, once we're going beyond game, Q bidding four spades doesn't really have a lot of utility. It's time to, uh, we want to find out if we have enough key cards to bid a slam or not. So what you gain is much more valuable than what you lose. Are there any conventions that you really just think are a waste of time, don't want to ever play with a with a partner? I mean, I would say yes. I mean, one of the worst conventions is the mini Roman two-diamond opening. That's like one of the worst things you can play. Can you explain to our listeners what it is? Okay, a mini Roman is like a two-diamond opening that shows like three four-card suits with a short suit, like opening strength. And this is a bid that really you don't need because, number one, when you have three four-card suits, this is not a difficult hand to bid because... Each time it's your turn to bid, you'll have a new suit that you can bid. So it's not a difficult hand to bid. But let's let's take an example. Let's say that you have five spades, two hearts, and three three in the minors. Okay. And your partner opens two diamonds, a mini Roman. So here you sit. If your partner has a stiff spade, you're just bidding into the no man's land with no fit whatsoever. Okay. I mean, you'd bid two spades and then they, they have to bid something. But if your partner has four spades, 
you know, it's disastrous to not be playing in the hand in spades. So you're preempting yourself and you see the impossible situation that you get yourself into by playing this convention. It's one of the worst things you could possibly ever play and just unneeded. But some people love it. Have you had a partner who wanted to play it with you? I, no, I won't play that. <laughs> I mean, I, there are very few things. Most partners that I sit down with, I will play what they want to play. But there's a few things that I'll just overrule and say, no, I won't do that. And that's one of them. Another thing that some people just absolutely love is Flannery. Again, with the two diamonds. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, the two diamond openings are commonly the issue here. But Flannery, I don't see the need for Flannery. I mean, if I open a heart and my partner doesn't bid spades, I don't need to worry about having four spades. But some people swear by Flannery being such a great thing. And a lot of top players even like it. So unlike Roman Two Diamonds, Flannery is a playable convention. And when it comes up, it works okay. So I, I, it's not in the same category as this mini Roman Two Diamonds. But it's something that I don't particularly care for. Bill Flannery himself told me about 15 years ago, he said, Flannery has had its day, but Bridge has passed it by. So <laughs> this was the inventor of the convention that told me this personally. <laughs> are there any conventions that you have invented that you are casting aspersions on now? Well, no. When I invent something, it's usually pretty good. Um, <laughs> that's worth keeping. One of my tools was Last Train uh, I invented, and that was that's still useful. In fact, it's been expanded upon in lots of auctions. But the basic idea there is, let's say we're Q-bidding and we're looking for a spade slam, and my partner's just Q-bid four diamonds. So I could bid four spades to sign off, or I could bid Blackwood. Or Last Train is giving me a third option of bidding four hearts, which is artificial, just saying, I'm not ready to quit. I'm not ready to give up, but I don't have enough to take control. So that was the premise of The Last Train. And it's been expanded to use sometimes for slams or grand slams. Like, let's say we're headed towards uh, six spades. We bid five no trump, and partners responded. A bid of six hearts is one last try. It's the last train to try and get the seven. It's used in other auctions, but that was my invention for sure. And some of the other things that Mechwell has come up with I'm sort of like co-responsible for inventing. Eric and I together came up with some of these bidding ideas. It was a lot easier to invent something back in the early 70s when we started playing than it is now. Now, I mean, bidding has pretty much all the ideas have come up. You know, everything's pretty much been thought of by now. So pretty hard to invent something 
good these in this day and age. So I play Mextroth advances. What did they just learn? Well, the way I learned them was when you have a two suitor that you've shown and partner can either in the advancing position can bid to no trump to ask what the second suit is. So this is often like with Capoletti or something. You ask what the second suit is. And when you play Mextroth advances, that would show more points than if you just bid the cheaper of the possible other suits. Okay. I I think Eric and I did come up with these. This is this is when you bid like Michaels. Michaels or Capoletti when or partners yep. bid Michaels and you've shown a major and a minor. And this was a really good thing to play. The two no Trump is values in asking that clubs is just pass or correct for the minor. It's not showing anything. But two no Trump is always like at least invitational. And then a diamond bid is invitational in the major for next level. So let's say one spade, two spades pass. Three diamonds would be an invitational bid with a heart fit is how that works. It works at all levels. Let's take an auction. Let's say one spade, two spades, and they bid four spades. So here, four and O would ask for my minor with values. So you'd have a hand that's probably looking to double five spades if they bid it. Five clubs would just be push them up, ask for the minor. And five diamonds would be a slam try on hearts. Because diamonds is always a fit for the major. Cool. So as long as you get used to playing that in those auctions, it works beautifully. So you use diamonds, let's say the opponents had bid hearts. You would use diamonds equally to, to show interest in spades. If you have spades and they're bidding hearts, you can just bid spades because you don't have to go to the next level. Got it. Of course. Of course. Okay. I mean, you could bid five diamonds, which would be a slam try in spades, but it doesn't really make so much sense there because you just bid four spades over four hearts. What is the best bridge tip or advice that you've ever been given? Well, Bob Hammond told me as we were closing a bar one night in New York City, uh, told me that whatever happens, come out of that room holding your head up high. You know, live with what you've done. Even if it was your worst session, you come out of the room, you hold your head up high, and you own whatever you've done. You just own it. But be proud and be confident in yourself. And that really had a dramatic effect on me because I realized, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to be myself and play my game. And he was a real mentor to me. I really looked up to Bob. I have nine world championships, and I think Bob was on my team in like six of them. So, I mean, I owe a lot to Bob Hammond. He's quite good to me. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been so wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much. It's really been such a treat to talk to you. Well, thank you for having me. Have a great evening. And that's the show. Many thanks to our guest, Jeff Mextroth. 
Thank you also to our friend Larry Cohen and to our listener supporters who make the show possible. Sorry Partner is produced by Catherine Harris with production assistance from Paul Chirasso. Our theme music was composed by Jocelyn Starts and produced by Daniel Graboy. Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or at sorrypartnerpodcast on Instagram or send us a voice message. And please consider supporting the show. These links and a link to our merch store are under the episode description in your app on the website at sorrypartner.com or wherever you like to listen. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice or we'll call the director. Until next week, play well. May all your finesses be on side. And remember, as Jeff says, whatever happens, own it. Come out of that room holding your head up high. Thank you, partner. Thank you, partner. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.